The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm about to blow your mind here, AJ. I used to regularly watch you play baseball in Minnesota. I was based in Minnesota. I'm I'm blowing your mind. Until what? 2003. For I what? was there. I was doing theater in town. Really? Maybe you came to watch me if you tried to get cultured once or twice. No. Probably no. Not. The only th- the only theater I went to is I went to a pink concert once in a theater there. I don't know what theater it was. Mm, I don't think that's the kind of theater that I I was doing. (laughs) Hi, I'm AJ Brzezinski, and I fucking hate the Georgia Bulldogs. Howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of Off the Beat. I'm glad you're here. This is your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, when people say that they've done something thousands of times, usually they're exaggerating, right? Well, not my guest today. Baseball legend A.J. Persinski. A.J. retired from the major leagues back in 2017 with over 2,000 games played, all as a catcher, by the way, the stat he says he is most proud of. He got over 2,000 hits so many hits and as a catcher no less he's a world series champion a two-time all-star silver slugger winner and this is a a very special one he was voted most hated by his colleagues in mlb that's right (laughs) but uh, he is he's proud of that as well now he he may have caused a few stirs in his career but if you ask me it speaks to his grit his competitiveness, and, well, just how seriously he takes the game. Yes, when I watched him, I hated him. 
but getting to know him now, I respect him all the more. Plus, he's got a very good sense of humor about the whole thing, at least when he's off the field. Uh, We're going to talk about that, his bad boy reputation, his very impressive stats, and, of course, his thoughts on the upcoming baseball playoffs. Playoff baseball, there is nothing like it. You also can see him doing his thing as a game analyst on Fox or on his incredible new show, Foul Territory, which he hosts every single day of the week. Now, for your listening pleasure, everybody, here he is, the most hated man in the game, my pal, A.J. Pruszynski. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. What's up, AJ? What's up, Brian? How are you, buddy? I mean, I'm good. How are you? I mean, I am just working my rear end off and trying to keep up with you. That's about it. I was wondering if you were on suicide watch this week after uh, your little football game <laughs> last weekend. I wiped it right from my memory banks already. See here, here's the problem. I have like a Gator helmet and I have Gator duct tape and I have all these Gator jerseys, but you can't see me. So there's no reason for me to have all these props hanging around. <laughs> well, you see my shirt. I wore I can't, this. Thank, thank God I cannot see that. I wore this for you today. Bulldogs started out okay. Yeah. So our is Florida. They're going to be terrible, right? I, I mean, I hope not. I mean, I don't want them to be terrible, but I would like for them to be decent. Right. You know, I, listen, I get it. It was a tough way to start in Utah and all that. But, I mean, first play of the game, two defenders run into each other and you give up a 75-yard bomb. It's usually not a good omen for a good season. <sighs> that was a great start. God, that was so good. <laughs> that was so good. Listen, I'm rooting for you guys to at least be somewhat respectable so I can I can get down there to Jacksonville again. That was that's always entertaining. Are you going to show your face this year at the game? I mean, it kind of depends, right? Is it worth me traveling across the country to see a 52 to 7 drubbing? Those are the best ones. Are you kidding me? I remember for years <laughs> that was the best part about going to Florida Georgia would be Florida 52 Georgia 7. Right. Well, listen. Good luck the rest of the year. I appreciate that. I do want to ask, are, are you not a Tennessee fan? I am not a Tennessee fan. They're my second favorite team. You were recruited to go to Tennessee, as I understand, and and play baseball. You, you didn't do that, but you, you have no allegiance there because of that. Yeah, I have no allegiance other than, I mean, my claim to fame for my Tennessee allegiance is that I went on a recruiting trip and Peyton Manning was there the same weekend. I mean, other than that, there's really nothing... To my Tennessee fandom. I mean, I got to meet Peyton Manning when he was in high school. But other than that, it was... uh, Oh, you were there the same weekend being recruited. Oh, yeah. We were there on our official visits the same exact weekend. I mean, we kind of, you know... is This is Peyton Manning. I'm like, who the hell is Peyton Manning? And he's like, who the hell are you? I'm like, yeah, we're on the same team. (laughs) All right. Unbelievable. So let's go back to little AJ's early days. So you were born in New York, which I did not know that, but then you, you went before high school down to Florida. What, why Florida? Why did you go down there? Well, my parents moved when I was two. So, I mean, I don't, even being, I don't even remember being in New York. I consider myself from Orlando. Uh, I, honestly, we moved because my dad was a builder and that okay. was right when Disney world hit. 
And so it was a big building boom. So we moved down there and then my parents ended up being divorced real young and they both still are around. Uh, they're both still around the Orlando area where I live. But I mean, yeah, people are like, oh, you were born in the Hamptons. You must be rich. I'm like, no, dude, my parents were Polish potato farmers that, you know, had nothing. And my dad was a, a contractor that had to move to Orlando to make ends meet. My mom worked at the phone company. Right. Were they into baseball? Were they into uh, sports? My, my, my dad definitely is. My dad played rugby at a very competitive level. Uh, he okay. also played basketball. Like my dad, you know, it, it played basketball and, and did a bunch of stuff in high school. My mom, you know, was around it. You know, back then women's sports were a little different. It wasn't as easy, but uh, my dad definitely was involved. And yeah, my dad was is still, my dad's like 77 years old now. And he's still like, is fighting to play rugby. I mean, he's got two <laughs> knee replacements and all kinds of broken bones. He's like, I want to get out there again. I'm like, dad, like that's time. It sounds like you actually. <laughs> well, I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to play rugby anytime soon. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, fair enough. Um, w- w- did you play other sports besides baseball growing up? I did. I played basketball till my sophomore year of high school. I never played football though, which was kind of weird. I don't know why. Uh, but I played. I was on like the golf team in middle school, and you know, did some other flag football and stuff like that. Never tackle football. But, I yeah. never did either. It's so funny because. I feel like as a kid, we played football all the time, but I don't know if, if organized football wasn't as big then or something. I, I, I didn't either. Oh, for me, it was more, I always liked baseball. And so like when it came to tackle football time I and mean, growing up in Florida, you play baseball year round. So there was a fall season and then we went right to basketball in the winter. And then in the spring, it kicked into baseball and you played that till the end of the summer. So it just never was an option. And then when I, moved i I lived in orlando then i moved to a little small town called brooksville which not a lot of people have heard of and it's outside tampa and it was a very tiny little town which is great when you're 10 to 15 years old to grow up in right i mean you know everybody everybody knows you and and so it just never was a thing and then when i moved back to orlando my sophomore year high school i I was like oh i'm gonna try for the basketball team and you know and in Brooksville, you know, I was six foot one and I was like, okay, I'm pretty good. And then we got to Orlando and I went to a school with 5,000 kids and they had these six foot six dudes jumping over me. I'm like, yep, time to focus on baseball. <laughs> you know, my family is from, from Orlando too. My mom grew Art up there. Issue? I did not yep. know that. Where'd she go she to high school? The, she, uh, I don't know. I don't, I mean, but like Orlando proper, like she, she was from there and then went to, went to Florida state. Oh, so she's like my wife. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I don't know if my mom is like your wife, but. Well, no, I mean, she went to, my wife went <laughs> to Florida went, State she also. She went to Florida State. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like, I mean, I'm guessing your mom is about my parents' age. My stepdad Close. went to like Boone High School or Colonial. Boone, I think that's it. The Boone Braves probably. I think that's it. That For would real. Be the, that would probably be like the main one that's been around here forever. Yeah, I th- I honestly think that's it. I think she went to Boone. Yeah. Well, I need to get her name. I'll ask my stepdad. Maybe they was uh, you know they went to prom together or something back in the day. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> they did. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather was one of thirteen kids. You know, I mean, he was born in Georgia, so a bunch stayed in Georgia, but a bunch actually migrated down with my great grandparents to to Orlando. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my stepdad's family was all born in like Moultrie. So okay. South Georgia. And then they moved down. Yeah. My stepdad's dad owned a service station and he okay. moved down to this area called South street, which is like dead downtown now. But back yeah. then it was kind of like the suburbs. Right. And now, they, 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 they ran a, mo- a motel, not a hotel, okay. a motel. 
Yeah. Okay. And had a restaurant. Nice. All right. I'll look this up. So you decide basketball is not your thing, baseball. Now, at what point, I like to ask people this, you know, we all do activities as kids, sports or, or the arts or, or whatever. At what point for you, is there a transition between like, I'm a kid hitting a ball to like, oh, this is what I really want to do. Or did you just suddenly realize you were just better than everybody else? Um, honestly, it was kind of the fall of my junior year. Okay. Uh, I mean, I played JV freshman and sophomore year in my high school. My high school was gigantic. So you have to understand how big it was. And I was on JV and I was, there was a good chance I was going to be on JV my junior year again, because we had a senior catcher and okay. uh, he ends up getting hurt. And I also grew like four or five inches and put on like 30 or 40 pounds between my sophomore and junior seasons. But I also was young, right? So I didn't turn 16 until the middle of my junior year. So I'm, I'm December oh. 30th. Wow. Right? Okay. So I turned 16 December of my junior year. So, I mean, it was already, so I was actually a year ahead of my parents liked me so much. They made me start school a year early, <laughs> right? They couldn't wait to get me out of the house. So like I graduated just having turned 17 as opposed to most people are 18. Some kids are 19 right. now. Right. And, and so I was a little bit of a later bloomer. And then I put on a bunch of weight and grew between my sophomore and junior year. And then the kid ended up getting hurt. And, uh, it was like, Whoa, when I came back to school, the coaches were like, wait a minute, are you the same kid that was here last year? And so, um, once I got the strength was when it kind of started clicking a lot more. And, uh, I, I'll never forget my my junior year, we, we started in playing a tournament and I don't know, I do okay. Like I get like one hit and like 10 at bats or something. And my best friend's dad, I will never forget this to that day. He, he comes up to me and I kid, I kid, I grew up with forever. And his dad comes up to me. He, had, his son had just graduated from the school and he comes up to me and goes, man, you know what, you know, you need to use the phone. And I was like, for what? And he's like, you need to call 1-800 get a hit. And I was like, Oh, okay. It was like that. Right. And I've never forgotten to this day. And that day, that day we had a game and I hit a, my first high school home run. And I was like, okay. I was like, basically fuck off now right. as I'm running around the bases. And, you know, I, I now, and then from that moment on, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I can, I belong now. But it was right. like one of those things where he didn't, I mean, he meant it as a joke, but I was still like pissed because I was like, who are you to say this to me? <laughs> you were high school teammates with, I, I did not know this with Johnny Damon. Yeah, he was way better than me, though. Like I said, I, he was a senior. I was a sophomore. I was on JV. He was on, you know, he was number one prospect guy, Johnny Damon, and okay. super good. And then you had me on JV flailing along. But yes, we were at high school at the same time. We're still super close. And uh, I actually saw him yesterday. You did? Yeah. Ran into him randomly. Saw him at sushi. I went in to get sushi, and he was sitting in there with his, his wife and his 17 kids. His, his <laughs> 17 kids. That's right. <laughs> So at what point do you start thinking about playing baseball beyond high school? Well, it's kind of after that, like after the summer after my junior year was when it like really got crazy. Cause then all of a sudden you start hearing from these schools. Right. And this was back when you had to actually send mail. There was like no emails and there was right. no like cell phone. I'm going to Instagram you or DM you on Twitter or whatever. So you had to get, you got mail and my high school coach was like, Hey, there's a lot of schools that have seen you and they really are interested. What do you think? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about it. And I went to this thing that summer. There's a company now called perfect game is like the 
the industry leader, I guess you'd say, in like recruiting and in youth baseball. Okay. There, there's a few of them, but Perfect Game was kind of the first one. They used to be called Team One. And I went to this thing in Cincinnati, Ohio called Team One National Showcase. And they brought basically like the top like 70, 65 players in and we did our workout and then we played games. And after that, I mean, every school is called like, they're all like, you know, we want you to come here. We want you to come here. And, um, but, and like we already kind of talked about my, my school I wanted to go to was Florida. Like, I mean, I was like, I grew up a Gator fan. My family went there that had lived in Florida and I was like, you know, I want to go to the university of Florida. And the coach calls me. I'll never forget my junior year. And so summer of my junior year and says, Hey, I, I can't recruit you. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, three kids in a row from your high school have signed here and they all signed professional. I'm on the hot seat. I can't take the chance of you not coming here. And I was like, listen, there's only one school that I promise you I will go to. It's University of Florida. And I will, I'll give you my word. He's like, I can't take that chance. I've heard that from Johnny Damon before. And then he signed, right? And I was like, well, right. I, I mean, I, I respected that. But at the same time, I was kind of pissed about it. And I was like, well, if I can't go to Florida, I'll go to their biggest rival, which is Tennessee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I play them and we can kick their ass. Did you mean it? Do you think... Uh, by the yes. way, spo- no, spoiler no. alert, he signs a letter to go to Tennessee and, and never goes because you get drafted in, in 94. But with Florida, you would have gone? I I really believe I would have gone, yes. I, I mean, I can't say a million percent. But listen, if there were, like I said, if there was one school that I would have said yes to and I would have gone, it would have been Florida. That was the only one. Because once I signed with Tennessee, like my heart was there kind of, but it wasn't like I'm invested. I grew up as a fan of this team. I rooted for this team. I go to football games for this team, right? It was like, okay, I went there once on a visit, and they, they played University of Georgia, and they killed them by like 52 points. So, I mean, I rooted for them once, but other than that, I didn't really care about them. Talk me through, how aware are you that you're going to be drafted professionally? Like, do you know this? Is it is it a crapshoot? Like, like, where are you at? Because you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to Tennessee, but you're going to enter the draft. What's that process like? So the process is you just play, right? And then right. you get through you get through your senior year and the draft was different. It was like at the beginning of June then and you end your you end your high school season in like early May in Florida, mid May. And so you start hearing from these teams and they're like they're saying, We think you're gonna get drafted anywhere from this place to this spot, and we're gonna draft you in this spot if you fall to us. And you're thinking, All right, this is a real possibility. So you sit, I kinda of sat down with my parents and said, Okay, what's the number? signing bonus wise that we'll accept. And we kind of remember this was almost 30 years ago now. And we, and we right. kind of got to that number and, and they're like, well, you know, what about school? And I was like, well, they pay for school. So they, they, they'll, they'll tell you like, you, they'll give you four years of school that you can go after you're done playing. If you don't make it, or even if you do make it, they'll pay for four years of school. So the, it gets time to draft time. Back then you sat there literally with like a, you just sat at your house. There was no, again, there was no internet. There was no MLB network. There was no draft coverage. It was just, you got a phone call. And so the drafts, you know, the draft starts at like, let's say 1 PM and you're sitting there waiting, you're trying to guess like where they're at in the draft. And you're thinking, okay, well, this team said they're going to draft me here. Did they did it? And the phone finally rings. Cause you're like, you know, please nobody call the house from like one to 5 PM. Right. Cause <laughs> gosh, you call waiting or the team calls and I don't, it gets a busy sign, right. Are they not going to draft me? Right. So I get a call and I pick it up and it's the Minnesota twins calling the GM and he says, Hey, you know, this is Terry Ryan and GM of the Twins. We draft you 70th, I think it was overall, third round, and a scout will be in touch. And click. Oh, okay. That's it. I mean, that was literally it. That was the phone call. Like, cool. That's so amazing. 
yeah, we'll be in touch in the next week. What? Wait, what? Oh, wait, I, uh, what do I do? And then, so, you know, a couple of days later, the scout, local scout calls me, who would watch me and convince them to draft me, shows up my house and says, you know, I'm the guy who drafted you, da, 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 here's our contract offer. And then you're like, well, okay, it's not exactly what I wanted, but little negotiation. And I think within two days we had figured out, I mean, I, I wanted to go play at that point. I was like, I don't want to waste time, you know, arguing over $10,000, uh, which is a lot of money. But back then I was like, you know, I'm 17 years old. I, I got a, enough money. You know, I thought to last, I mean, I got, you know, six figures. I was like, man, I am rich for the rest of my life. Right. You know, and my, and my parents were good and, and said, yeah, if you want to go play, we support you. And they gave me four years of school. They basically matched tuition at Tennessee for four years. And, uh, Went away and, and signed and went and played. But uh, I tell you what, it, it was a hard phone call to like the Tennessee coaches to say, you know, I'm signing um, because they had recruited you. They put their time and effort into you and they're kind of counting on you to show up. So that was a hard phone call. But, uh, you know, people always ask me, do you wish you would have gone to college? The answer is no. But would I tell other people to go to college? Almost exclusively, I would say yes. Because mo- listen, I, you have to understand I was a lot different than most kids at that age. I didn't drink and I didn't really go out and I didn't party and I didn't do anything. I was just baseball, baseball, baseball. So I was just ready to go. And then when you sign, you go to the minor leagues, you know, these guys are, you know, you play with 20 kids out of college. I'm 17. These kids are 21, 22. They're going out drinking. And I'm like, I'm not even 18. I can't even vote yet. Like you guys have, (laughs) you guys have fun. Uh, We didn't talk about this before, but I'm curious because God, it sucks to me. I, you know, I played baseball growing up. We've talked a little bit about that. I played catcher for a very short period of time. I don't know how the hell you do it. I mean, it, <laughs> no, I mean, like it, it, it has to be physiological in some way. Right. I mean, have you ever talked to any other catchers about that? I mean, it has to be your thighs, your groin. It's so difficult. Did you just love that? Did you love being in the middle of it, what, what was it about catching that made you stay there, or were you just that good at it? Well, I mean, have you? You've obviously met me, so you know that I love like being in the middle of shit. Yeah, right. No, so that's right. When I was, I think it was about eight years old, right? Our catcher on our little league team was hurt. They're like, "Hey, we need someone to catch," and I literally was like, "I'll do it. I'll try it." And I fell in love with it. One, like, because here's the thing: like, as a catcher, you are involved in every single play. And right. you're the only position where all the eyes are on you at all times, right? Every, every fielder is looking at me. I'm like the rooster, right? I'm like, let's go boys. <laughs> right. Plus, plus back then you got all the cool gear. I mean, you right. got a bigger bag cause you had catcher's equipment, right? Everyone else had a bat and a glove. I had chest protector and a mask, right? I had to wear a cup. I'm like, man, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and, and so I just, it just continued because I was in the middle of every play. Like I, before that I kind of played shortstop and, you know, you get like two balls a game, but screw that, man. This is every pitch. Right. And then, you know, the physical part of it is that honestly, I mean, I'm very lucky genetically. I, I guess I need to thank my parents, but like, I have no problems like knees, hips, anything back arm. Nothing. Like, I literally have no problems at all. And people are like, there's no way you caught 2000 games in the big leagues. I'm like, I promise you, I have no issues at all. Now, if you ask people that know me, they'll say mentally I'm fucked up, but yeah, physically, I can like I'm, I tell people all the time, like I could go catch a game tomorrow. I mean, I'd be sore, obviously, but I could physically do it. No, do I want to do it? No, because I know what it takes to get there. But I mean, I physically could go tomorrow and be like, I catch, I can catch nine innings tomorrow. I might not be able to hit hit a baseball because I haven't done it in so long, but I could, I could catch it still. Wow. 
Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You get drafted by the Twins. You decide to go. You go to the Gulf Coast League Twins, the Elizabethton Twins, Fort Wayne Wizards, Fort Myers Miracle, New Britain Rock, Cats, and the Salt Lake Buzz. Tell me a little bit about that time. Is it difficult for you, or did you love it, the traveling Uh, around? Listen, I loved it because I was, like I said, I was like just baseball, baseball, baseball all the time. Heck, my life is still like baseball. It's like, geez, even my kid plays baseball. I'm like, gosh, can, right. I, can we play something else? But listen, when I signed, I went to Gulf Coast League and that was, you, you get these kids from all over the country, right? I was from Florida. I went to Fort Myers. They're like, oh, it's so hot. I'm like, dude, this is great. I play three games a day in this. Like, I'll play all day long. Right. And, and these other kids from up north are dying. Then I went to Fort, I went to Fort Wayne to start the next year, which was my first full season, 95. And I was there for about a month or and a half, and I got mono, right? I got mono in Appleton, Wisconsin. I'll never forget. It hit me. And we had like a 13-hour bus ride, and I was like dying. I'm literally like, I, I'm going to die on this bus right here because I was in so much pain from like, I guess your spleen gets messed up. So I was just laying on this bus, with, and everyone's like, you know, quarantined away from me because they're like, we don't want anyone else to get this. Right. 
So I ride 13 hours on this bus, get back. And then they're like, all right, we have to go home. So I went home for six weeks, right? Lost about 45 pounds. Because if you've ever had mono, you can't do it. Like I couldn't walk to the end of my driveway. It was a short driveway to get the garbage cans without wanting to go back to sleep. So I come back after six weeks and they send me to Elizabethan, which is in North Carolina or Tennessee. It was a great little town. And I show up and I'll never forget because Fort Wayne was a, it was a ball and we had the brand, nice brand new stadium and all these fans. They show up at Elizabeth and it's like this rec park. And my, I never forget. I drove up with my mom and it said, welcome to the show on the, on the side of the thing. And my mom looks at me and goes, man, what the hell did you do to deserve this? <laughs> and I was like, all right. And so I went and played. And the first day back, I had to catch a doubleheader. And I hadn't played in six weeks. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, well, the other catcher's flight's delayed. So you're the only catcher we got. So we need you to catch, you know, both ends of the doubleheader. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Whatever. Did it. Boom. And uh, the trainer at the time, a guy named Dave Prumer, who ended up being a big league trainer for the Twins, He's like, we need you to put weight back on. So how are you going to do it? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I want you to go and eat fast food. And there's a Dairy Queen. There was a Dairy Queen across the street. He's like, you get Dairy Queen every day and you eat ice cream until you put the weight back on. So literally, I come into the ballpark with Dairy Queen, a peanut buster parfait. I was like <laughs> shoveling in the calories. Because I was, I mean, I was so skinny. Right. Baseball, unlike any other sport, right? I mean, that life, those years leading up to get, making in the big leaps, that's, you feel that, right? It's unique to anything else. It, it's the best. I, I tell people, like, people are like, oh, the minor leagues are horrible. Yeah, they were at the time, but you look back on them, and, like, those guys are, like, your guys. I mean, those are my, my still my friends. Uh, I mean, big league friends are big league friends. But once you make it and you kind of got some money and you got some success, it changes you a little bit. It has. It just naturally does, right? Everyone's sure. like, oh, I'm the same. But you change. You, you just naturally do because you, you – have money and you kind of like, well, I can afford better stuff. And I'm, you know, like this and that. Right. But I mean, think about this. We're, we're, you know, you're 20 years old. Okay. I'm in Fort Myers, 20 years old, making a thousand bucks a month before taxes. Right. right. We're trying to find Jesus. a place to live. So we stuff five of us into a, you know, three bedroom apartment. One guy's on the couch, one guy's on the air mattress, three of us get beds and you're trying to figure out, all right, well, how we get $7 a day meal money on the road? Right, well, what the hell can you eat for? And you got to give five of it to the clubhouse guys. So you're really trying to live off $2 a day, which is impossible. And, and so you just become tight with those guys because you're all going through the same things. Everyone's struggling to get by on a daily basis. How can we make this more fun? And, and again, now this is before cell phones and, and all the stuff that happens. But I mean, you know, you could go to a bar and you could have fun and, and get away with a little bit more than you can now because of no cell phones. But you know, we we're like, man, where can we find like cheap drinks and, and where can we find cheap food? And we bought a, a electric grill from like Costco or Sam's Club. Right. And we would get Omaha steaks at the beginning of the year. Like we would all split it like the for four of us, five of us. We'd split it and we'd get a thing and that would last us all year. We would grill on this little electric grill. We get like a can of peas from Publix. And that was like <laughs> dinner. That was like a can of peas or, you know, Velveeta shells and cheese with tuna fish, a can of tuna. I'm like, that was just dinner and lunch. I mean, that was just how you did it. And, and it was, it wasn't even like a, it was great because we were all eating the same crap and doing the same crap. And we were all together and it was, all right, we're going to get through this somehow. And that's the bond you get in the minor leagues is, is special, especially guys you play with a bunch and, and kind of come up with is it, where it's all about. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but uh, AJ and I, we play in a few golf events together. One on the corn Ferry tour. I was once told this, 
that they intentionally pay the corn fairy players less because they are trying to make them hungry to work as hard as they can to move out of it. That there is more money that they could siphon to them based on the financial models, but they want to keep them hungry. Do you think that there's a similarity in the minor leagues? It's changed now. It used to be, I think, like that. But now MLB bought the minor leagues, some major baseball, and now it's a different model. Now it's they, they treat them better, they feed them better, they house them better. I mean, we were on our own for housing. I mean, I remember I got to play in the Hawaii Hawaii for winter ball for three months. So I lived in Honolulu, $2,000 a month, okay, in Honolulu. This is 1997, still 25 years ago. But if you've never been to Honolulu, explain how you're supposed to. That's before taxes now. So right. it's really only 1000 bucks a month. You got to find a place to live. You got to find food. You got to everything. Car, we had to rent a car. So two of five of us lived in a two-bedroom apartment. In the in on Waikiki Beach, it was the cheapest apartment we could find, and we all rented one car, so we all had to go to the same places together. And you're like, okay, well, Crazy. we'll make it work. We had a jack in the box like four times a week. <laughs> in 1998, you finally make the big leagues with the Twins. What's it like walking on uh, the field for the first time? So on our show, my my podcast that I do, Foul Territory, the other day we had Mark McGuire on. Okay, and 1998 is the year when all the home run record chase went with him and Sosa. That's right. First day, I get called up from Salt Lake City to Anaheim. We're playing the Angels, okay? So never forget this. First day, and the date's easy. It was 9-8-98, so it's super easy to remember, was the day Mark McGuire hit 62. So we walk out on the field for batting practice, and we're on the West Coast there in St. Louis. Everyone stops, and on the big screen out in Anaheim, they have the they show the is it bat, and he hits the home run. The place goes crazy. I'm like, damn, this big leagues is kind of cool. Like they do this every day or what? <laughs> and and it was and Martin McGuire was like, damn, I you know you know thank, I'm glad I could be a part of your, your memories. And I was like, yeah, I mean, something you'll never forget as a as a human being, right? And then you know, and then I didn't play in that first game, but I, I mean, it was just you're taking everything in, and we're just staring at everything and watching everything and trying to figure everything out. And, uh, I got to actually get in the next day, which was my debut. And they put me in, in like the fifth inning. We were losing like seven, nothing. They're like, yeah, go get, go catch. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, you're always a little bit nervous. I don't, but you're just more excited because you're like, Oh man, I, you know, am I, am I good for this? Right. Am I, can right. I do this on this level? Right. And I run out there and I remember I throw the ball to second base between innings, And I, I mean, I launched it whoo, into center field. <laughs> and Ron Gardenhire was our third base coach, and he was our, he ended up being our manager for the Twins after that. And he just looks at me and goes, nice fucking throw. And I was like, you, are you, wait, you saw that? <laughs> and I, it was kind of like an ice-breaking moment. And and, and, I, and I remember my first at-bat, I walk up to the plate, and we're in Anaheim, and I was facing Omar Oliveris. And I'm just, in my head, I'm just like, I just don't want to strike out. I don't care what I do. I'm just, I'm not striking out my first. I'm going to prove to myself that I can hit a major league pitcher. And I hit a ground ball to second, and I was so happy. I just ran to first, ran off, and I was like, okay, I can hit a major league pitcher. And from I was just relieved, happy. And it's one of the few times in life where you make an out, and you're, you're super excited about it. Wow. Was Tom Kelly still the manager then? He was, yeah. Okay. Crotchety old bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind here, AJ. I used to regularly watch you play baseball in Minnesota. 
I was based in Minnesota. I'm I'm blowing your mind. Until what? 2003. For I what? was there. I was doing theater in town. Really? Maybe you came to watch me if you tried to get cultured once or twice. No. Yeah. The only th- the only theater I went to is I went to a Pink concert once in a theater there. I don't know what theater it was. Mm, I don't think that's the kind of theater that I I was doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to I used to go to Twins games uh, as a as a childhood fan of the Atlanta Braves. I was not a Twins fan, but I I remember going. I was not either, by the way, because I was a Braves fan. Right. I, grew up, I mean, I growing up in Florida, I was a Braves fan. Like Dale Murphy was my guy, right? Oh, right. That was me. So they beat him in '91. Yeah. And I was, and then I get drafted by him. Like I fucking hate you guys. Like why? <laughs> of all the teams, like, but yeah, I mean, I was a Braves fan. I mean, I, listen, I you know, I got to finish my career with the Braves, so it was great. But my favorite, you know, we're talking about Murphy, Murph. By the way, if you haven't met him, he's like the greatest human being in the world. So yes. the first time. I'm in spring training. I have my son with me, right? And the Braves were notorious for like not having kids in the clubhouse, not having kids around. I'm just like, screw this. I'm 38 years old. I'm breaking all the rules. So I have my kid out there with me. And uh, Murph walks up and he's he introduces himself to me. He's like, hi, I'm Dale Murphy. And I'm just like, uh, uh, my, dad, my son's like, what, what? He looks at me. He's like eight years old at the time. He's like, what, dad, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, dude, like this is my guy. Girl. Like, I don't know what to say to him. He's like, who is it? You know, because he doesn't know. I'm like, Dale Murphy. He's like, who the hell's Dale Murphy? Right. And then he starts talking to him, whatever. But like that was, you know, when you grow when you meet the guy and he's even nicer in person than you've heard, especially like a guy you grew up rooting for, it, it makes right. it really special. That's awesome. Uh, I love to hear that. And I love to hear that that there is a person that that would do that to you. I've never witnessed it, but <laughs> I like I like that there's a person that would do it. He was the one. He's probably the one person I've ever met where I was like, okay, this is like my favorite person of all time. Yeah. Again, and I had heard all these stories about what a nice guy he was. And then when you talk, I mean, when you talk to him, I mean, it blows your mind with just what a nice fella he is and just all the, the great career. And he should be in the Hall of Fame and I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Yeah. For me, it was three of the guys that played with you, Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox. No, understood. I mean, you know, you're a fair weather fan. You didn't like them when they sucked in the 80s. You liked them in the 90s when they were good. I no, Murphy was my guy early on. <laughs> Murphy was my guy early on, but. But yeah, those guys, I loved watching them. Um, you leave the twin, you make the all star game in, in 2002, 2003. You have another solid year. You're traded to the Giants. You happy? No, no, not at all. Because listen, as, a, as, a, as an athlete, you always think you're going to be part of one organization. The team that drafts you, develops you, gets you to the big leagues. You're there. I was there for almost 10 years. You're like, I'm going to be this for life. And I was doing well. It wasn't like I was sucking. Right. So you think, man, I'm going to be here forever. And then they trade me, and uh, honestly, I was not happy at all. Um, and the only thing I was happy about is that San Francisco at the time was very competitive, and Barry Bonds was the best player in the world. So I and I had known Barry from when I went over to Japan with him in two thousand two. Okay, so I wasn't going in blind, but man, I was. It just kind of the first. I, I can't really describe. It would be. I don't know how I could put this in acting terms. It would be like, all right, you're on the office. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be in the office for the 20 years, okay? Right. And then they call you and like, oh, by the way, no, we treat we you're on Seinfeld now, right? And you're like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> this is weird. And you walk in the first day, and it's not that anything's different other than like the uniform, but everything is different, like the clubhouse and the where to where you go and what you do and your routine, yeah, yeah, and the people. So 
Yeah. So, so, but it's still baseball, but you're like, gosh, this is just weird. And, and plus, you know, I'm East coast guy, Florida, you know, San Francisco is about as far as ways you can get. My parents are like, we can't watch the games. They don't start till 10 o'clock. And right. so, I mean, it's just little things like that. And, and listen, I, San Francisco was a great city, great fans, um, very passionate about the game. And listen, I got to see the greatest baseball season I've ever seen. 2004. If you haven't seen it, look up Barry Bonds numbers that year. I mean, he walked Insane. 200 and, he walked 270 times or some, I mean, his numbers are just, and I got to stand there, have a front row seat to it. So I would never change anything about it, but yeah, when you get traded the first time it, it hurts and it, it's hard. What about your move to the White Sox? Uh, well, I was released by the Giants, um, after the year I had a good year, but they didn't want to pay me more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go to the White Sox and people always question like, why the White Sox? Well, listen, I had other offers for more money. But when I spoke to the White Sox, they were like, we got this team and we think it's going to be pretty special. And I actually signed there for less than I could have gotten from other places. And we ended up winning the World Series that year. But listen, I grew up a twin, right? I'm a Minnesota twin. And we hated the White Sox because they talked right. trash. And we used to just beat them. And every time we beat them, they talked more trash. And we're like, dude, we've beat y'all's ass for three <laughs> years now, four years. We all shut up and they would just keep talking. And so I get, I sign over there and I go to Sox Fest, which is like their fan fest. And, and I pull up in a car from the airport and we go to this hotel and it's all White Sox people. My wife was with me and I look at her and I, she looks at me and she's like, this is really weird for you, isn't it? I'm like, this is so fucking strange right now. <laughs> and I walk in and I'm like, gosh, it's because I'm not, you know, you're brought up to hate the teams in your division. And so, but I was there and, uh, listen, great group of people there. It just, obviously we won the world series that year. So it just was a perfect fit. What do you consider yourself now? White Sox. Well, is that because you won? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I played at the major league level there the longest. Um, and I think if you ask most people, they, they would say that, um, there's some, some twins fans that hang on to some of that. And I, listen, I love the people, all, all the organizations I played in, I played in seven had, have special people. But listen, you win it. You win with an organization, and especially eighty-eight years and nothing. You know, you win with that organization. You have special bonds with guys, and, and there's a lot of people that I that I were there when I played. They're still there, so the bonds are still alive. Right. Plus, they pay me, so I you know I have to say nice things about them. <laughs> <laughs> but if they weren't, you would say the same thing. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of home, right? Chicago's home. I have to go there this weekend. It's it's just it's just home. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. 
You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I got to ask you about this. You, the next year after 2005, you win the whole thing. You broke the American League record. 962 errorless consecutive chances. You broke a record that was fifty over 50 years old, Yogi Berra. Is that the stat that you're most proud of? Or is there something no. else? No, that I never played another position. That's the one that people are like, you never played first base or outfield? Nope. Fuck off. I played one. I was a catcher. Uh, but I can tell you what, I still remember the play where I fucked that streak up and I'm still pissed about it. Really? Yeah, it was a bunt. It was a bunt down the first baseline. I threw it and I shorted it and I was pissed at Canerco for not picking it. So I'm still mad at you, Paul, if you listen to this. No, it was just a terrible <laughs> throw, but it was like a perfect bunt. Jerry Harrison hit it, bunted it down the first baseline and I was full sprint and I just shorted it and boop, and, Jerry, and Paul missed it and they gave me an error and I was just like, well, I've been like a whole year without making an error. I just fucked that one up. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's just say people didn't like you playing <laughs> against you. Ozzy Guillen, your White Sox manager, once said this quote. I'm sure you've heard it. If you play against him, you hate him. If you play with him, you hate him a little less. You you love that reputation? I love it. You know what it did for me? Got me into professional wrestling. Got me yeah. a lot of opportunities off the field. And, and I think I think people that that don't know me off the field, like it's like this is why like professional wrestling is the perfect analogy for this. You have a wrestling character. That's your character when the cameras on. So you're acting, right? You're acting. You're Kevin from the office, right? But then right. when you talk to you, you're not that guy in real life. Right. It's a it's a, an act, right? So when I played... You put on an act when you played? I, I don't want to... No, I had to hate the other team. To play well? To play well. That was my thing. And I had to just... I had to boil myself up. And I'd fake. I'd make it up. I'd make shit up. This guy said this. but He might not have said that. But in my mind, he said that. I'm coming. And and that was just how I had to do it. And it wasn't the... I, listen, I don't recommend that to anybody. Because it's a really hard... That's when I knew I was done. I couldn't do it anymore. I was like being nice to people. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? Like, I can't be nice on the, I'm like saying hi to people on the field. Like, no, this doesn't work. 
Um, You're like kissing but, before the game. No, like, uh, I, I, I never did that. No, <laughs> no, like Magic and uh, Isaiah Thomas. Wasn't, yeah, that the, wasn't that the thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, like it was just different. I couldn't, I couldn't get the hate. I had to play with like hate. And it sounds so dumb, like to people that haven't really played. Like you know, we all have a motivation in our life, right? Well, my motivation was thinking the other team hated me and I'm going to show them. Like that's why if somebody's like, you can't do this, I'm like, fuck you. Like I, I'll, I'll kill myself trying to figure this out. So that was how I played on a daily basis. And that's why I also was able to play every day because I could fake it. Like, I mean, when I mean fake it, like I could fake the other team was mad at me or hated me. And, and then, so therefore it drove me to be like, all right, we're going to go and I'm going to fight every ounce of me to try to win this game. And I think that's the one thing if you ask, like, yes, you, you ask Ozzy because we, I've talked to Ozzy all the time still. Like he'll tell you, like, I, he love. I mean, I think he'll say this, but he has in interviews. Like he loved having me on the team because I would show up every day and I'd get in people's asses and I'd be like, let's go. I was ready to go always. And that's why Ozzy and I got along because he'd play me every day. And I wanted to play every day. And he was, there was never a question like, can you play? He knew if I showed up, I was ready to go. Well, let me tell you something. I like truly like you. I think you're a great guy. You really make me laugh. As a player, I hated you. That's fine. I mean, I, I wanted legit, that. That year with Bonds that you're talking, I remember, I, I feel like I watched every single pitch and I was like, that mother. <laughs> like oh yeah like i want i wanted nothing but for you to fail so it yeah. worked whatever you were doing it worked so it became a running a running theme right of of my teammates if yeah. we went to a, a away game and i didn't get booed they're like he's gonna suck but if they stood up like and booed the shit out of me they're like oh he's going deep today and i was like thank you like because it, it got me going like i mean after the 2005 playoffs we go to anon they boo the shit out of me right my teammates are like, oh, no, or Wrigley. We go to Wrigley, they're like, whoa, and they're like, oh, they have no idea what they just did. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I lived for it. Like, I lived, live, live, live for, like, the emotion. Because there's there's yeah. an old saying, I don't know who said it, you know, they don't boo you for no reason. They boo you because you broke their heart usually, right? And they don't boo right. nobodies. So, to right. me, in my mind, I was like, it was a badge of honor. I'm like, the louder, the better. Bring it on. Is there ever anything that you did to instigate that you regret? Um, there's always things you look back on and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, I talked a lot of shit. I mean, not, it wasn't a personal thing. It was more to myself. Like I was talking, I, it would come out loud, but it was more to myself. Like it was the way I motivated myself. Like you know, behind there the plate a, to batters? No, you didn't have time. For, like that's always what people say. Oh, you talked to people. I'm like, dude, there's no way I don't have time. There's no time for that to be right. like, oh, you know, like the major league scene where, oh, I have pictures of your mother or whatever, Bull Durham. Like, you don't have time for that. Plus, the guy has a bat. I'm standing there with no bat. Like, if we're going to – I'm not going to say anything to a dude that can whack me with a bat. Um, (laughs) But, I I mean, like, I would pop up and I'd be like, you motherfucker. Like, you know, or I'd say a bad word and throw my bat. Like, that wasn't meant at the pitcher. That was more meant at me. But the only one I wish – there was a play when in Minnesota I stepped on Justin Morneau's foot. It was an accident. It turned into a big deal. And I had played with Morneau and – and he thought, you know, I was like, look, man, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm doing right there. And it turned into a big to do. And I was, that, that's the one thing. I mean, I did a lot of others. There was one time running off the field in San Francisco. Fans were booing the shit out of me. And I was a giant at the time. It was 2004. And I kind of gave the old uh, scratch my face bird to a guy. And they caught it on camera. And I got called into the office the next day and by the GM. And he's like, did you do this? And I was like, what? I'm scratching my face. And he's like, really? 
Like I'm smarter than that. And I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's just all dumb shit that you do over the course of a career. And, uh, listen, there's not, there's not a lot that I would change. I mean, listen, when you get to a point, like when you have kids, right. I have an 18 year old and a 16 year old, they, they now have the internet. So everything is out there. So there's things where like, dad, what, did you really do this? Or did you do this? And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not your proudest moment when your kids see when you're in the middle of it. Say whatever you want about me, but when my kids have to read it, that's when it kind of hits home. Right. My favorite was, uh, which I had forgotten about, but looking through uh, the research on you, that you successfully, by the way, had a campaign in 2006 to make the All-Star Game, and the uh, the, the slogan was Punch AJ. Yeah. Because you used to have to punch the ballots uh, and people wanting to punch you. Uh, that makes me laugh. But the WWE, did you ever consider doing more with that? Um, I did as much as I could. I mean, listen, I was, I've been in there. I, I did, uh, WWE was kind of like the Holy grail. I, I only thing I got to do with them is I got to do a couple like stand-ins and then I got to do a thing with Bob Barker, God rest his soul, where they called me out of the crowd and I got to run around and do some dumb shit with him, which is great. Uh, I, I got to get in the ring. Like, I mean, listen, I hit dudes with chairs. I hit dudes with home plates. I've hit dudes with all kinds of stuff, right? And anyone that sells me wrestling's fake is, listen, I know how hard I hit those sons of bitches with chairs and stuff. It ain't fake. Like, I'm hitting them. Now, the the, 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 the endings might be scripted, but listen, the action and the moves and all the stuff they do, that junk is real, man. And I respect the hell out of those dudes. The end of your career, uh, you go to the Rangers, you go to the other Sox, Red Sox, Cardinals, you finish with the Braves, and in 2015, uh, you reach over 2,000 games played. You mentioned it before. Uh, you're clearly proud of that. And uh, had your 2,000th career hit, something only 13 other catchers in the history of the game has done, by the way. Are you aware of that milestone in the moment? Are you, are you, are you gunning for it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in 26, 2015, I finished like... 15 hits short or something. And then, so I'm like, well, I'm going to play one more year to 2016. So I come out and I get off to an awful start. Right. And I get to like 1,999 and we have like two games left in the homestand. My family all flew in and they all wanted to be there. And of course I go like 0 for 8 with like seven strikeouts because I am trying <laughs> my ass off. Right. Right. To get this hit in front of my family. And then we ended up going to Boston and I got it the next day, but it was like, oh, it was kind of anticlimactic because I did it in, I didn't do it in Atlanta. I did it in Boston. They didn't really give a shit because I just mm-hmm. played there and they, you know, they didn't even like put it on the scoreboard or anything. It would have been cool <laughs> if they could have at least been like, congratulations, <laughs> you know, but they didn't do anything. But my teammates obviously knew. Right. Um, but yeah, I was chasing it. And the, and the one that I'm, I'm probably more proud of is the, I have 400 doubles, which is only four catchers I think I've ever done at wow. the time. And I did that actually at the White Sox. And that was, so that was kind of cool my last year to do that at, at the, against the White Sox in Chicago. That, that one was kind of the thing that I was like, okay, the 2,000 hits is great, but the 400 doubles, and like I said, at the time, I think I was the fourth catcher to ever do it. That's awesome. You retire in 2017. What what made you know it was time to go? Well, what we talked about, I couldn't fake it anymore. I, I couldn't fake the... I couldn't fake the hate and my kid, listen, my kids were old when I retired. I mean, I was 39 going on 40, right? So I was 40 years old. I turned 40 in the off season and I knew I had a, I was fortunate enough. I have a 
still work for Fox and calling games. And they were kind of were like, Hey, if you retire, we'll give you a job. And I was like, well, okay. It means more time at home, but it also means more time at home. Right. Right. It's, it's a hard thing. And, you know, as a, in your profession of acting, like if somebody came to you, whether it was your wife or somebody and was like, I need you to retire. And you, in your heart, you didn't believe that it was time. You would probably regret them for the rest of your life. Right. And my wife would always say, I'm never going to tell you when it's time. Because if I do that, you'll regret me for the rest of my life. Because you would always think, man, you know, I should have kept playing or I should have done this. And after 2016, it was just a hard, I didn't have very good, I had my worst year by far. And I was just, I just wasn't in it. Um, just kind of was like, all right, I'm dead. My kids were older. My kids were starting to do a bunch of stuff, like, you know, getting at the age where they're traveling a lot for their sports. And it was just time, right? And I remember looking at my wife and I was like, you know, it's time. And she's like, you sure? Because, you know, if you, I'll support you if you want to go try it again. And I was like, no, it's, it's time. And I've never regretted my decision at all. And it was time. Do I wish I could have played more? Of course. You'll, you'll always say, man, I wish I could step in the batter's box one more time, or I wish I could do this one more time, but you can't. And so you have to be okay. And you have to walk away with a, a conscience. And I was, listen, my last game, I actually knew my last game, the Braves came to me and said, Hey, it's middle of September. We're going to start you in this game. And then we're probably either we're going to put you on the uh, DL or release you. And I was like, just put me on the DL. We'll fake something. And so they said, okay, we're going to start you in this Saturday game. So make sure all your family and friends are. I'm like, okay, it's probably going to be my last game. 99%. Right. So my last game, my last at bat came in extra innings. And on the, it was a, there was a Dansby Swanson was the, you know great player. Right? He was on second base. He's a September call up. Brian Snicker, the manager, still the manager there. Runner on second, no outs. Tie, extra innings tie game, right? Bunt. Snicker gives me the bunt. I'm like, you gotta be, he knows this is my last game, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding. Or no, he, or sorry, Swanson was on first. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So I bunt and it goes foul by like inches. And I'm like, oh my gosh. All right. So next pitch, wild pitch. So da- now Dansby's on second. And I look over and I'm like, there's no way he's gonna have me bunt again. Like he, he knows and he gives me bunt, whatever. It, it gets to 3 2. And I'm like, all right, all right, now I don't have to bunt with two strikes. So I end up get three two. I get a hit right when I, I get this hit, like kind of left center ish. And Cespedes is in left field, and Swanson doesn't score. And I'm like running to first, like, dude, this is my Derek Jeter moment. Right. Bro, I just my last game. I nobody because <laughs> nobody knew it was my last game except for my teammates. Right, nobody else had any idea. The media, nobody. And I'm like running to first, like, yeah, man, I just freaking walked him off in my last game, Derek Jeter, blah, blah, blah. Swanson doesn't score. I'm like, son of a bitch. Then Snicker pinch runs for me at first. And I'm like, well, if we don't score this winning run with no outs, like I'm done. And that's how it's going to end. Like, so anyways, we end up scoring the run and whatever. And the celebration breaks out, you know, walk off win. And Freddie Freeman dumps me with Gatorade. And I have my son out on the field with me and he's running around and the whole deal. And I never, Dave O'Brien, I'll never forget tweeted out at the time. He's still a beat writer for Atlanta. And he says, I think Pruszynski is retiring right now, but nobody knows about it. And he had it, and he had it, and he had no. And then after the game, they started asking me all these questions, and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's happening, you know, no, just big win, we're happy, we beat the Mets, and they're in the playoff race, and yeah, and then the next day, my shit was cleared out, and I was gone. But it was like one of those just nobody knew except my teammates and my family, and you know, it was a, it was an emotional day, but um, you know, it was it was it was a cool way to go out. And, and they were like, you know, we can do, we can announce this and we can do a big thing. And I said, you know what? I was never like a big pro. I was never like a top hundred prospect. I came in kind of with no fanfare. I just kind of want to go out and only have my family know. And that was kind of how they let me go out. And it was, it was awesome. Wow. 
That's awesome. Speaking of your son, I know he plays ball now. I know you've been coaching a little bit. Does he have aspirations? He does. Um, he does. He, you know what? He's first of all, first of all, let me say this about both my children. Um, they're amazing kids, which I care about way more than the sports side of it. Um, yeah. my, my daughter, she's a senior. She's going to Mississippi state to play volleyball next year. Um, awesome. So, and then my son is a junior. He's kind of going through the recruiting stuff right now. Um, but listen, they're first and foremost, they're good kids, which is way, way, way better. If they, if my son wants to try to follow in my footsteps or try to make himself a professional baseball player, then I'll support him. I just, you know, I always tell him, and it's really, really hard and it's a hard life. And it, it is, yes, the rewards are fantastic off the charts, but getting there and what you have to go through is really hard. So just know that you better enjoy the grind to get to the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Well, I think that's true for, for everything. I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta really love something, not focus on the end, but be willing to go through what you, what you have to, to get there. Right. Well, no, I think I, I, I tell, like I help coach my son's high school team and I'm like, you have to love the grind. And the grind is every day showing up, putting in the work, lifting the weights, running the sprints, hitting off a tee. You have to love that part of it because anyone loves the hits with the fans and the admiration you get for that. But when no one's looking, that's when you're like, you find out who really loves whatever you do. Like, I'm sure for you, I mean, how many times have you read in the mirror, like the lines, right? When no one's paying attention just to get, try to get a part. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get the part and you're, oh man, this was all worth it. Right. But let's say that never happens, but you got to figure out a way to keep going after it. Well, that's the way sports are, right? It's like, you have to figure out a way to keep going until that moment comes where everything comes together and it works out. It doesn't always work out. Do you think your son would need to, uh, self-motivate as you do? Do you see yourself in him that way? No, no. Oh God. My son is complete. He is like super. No, my kid is like the night, like he's the kids that when they have new kids at school, they're always like, we're going to put him with him because he's nice and he'll be nice to him. <laughs> oh no, that was not me. Trust me. No, no. He, him and I, we always, my wife and I joked that like my, both my kids have all of our personality traits, you know, divided up. And my son got like, my daughter is by far, and I was called, she's not mean at all, but she definitely has the meaner traits to her than my Feisty. son. Oh, definitely. And my son is just very, he's very nice, very polite, very respectful. Not, not that I wasn't, but he definitely doesn't have like the, I'm going to, I'm going to rip your fucking head off. You know, like, right. I mean, he, he has more, it's quieter. It's not like out there in the open. <laughs> right. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction. 
anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zin.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zin 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Now, you're working for Fox Sports full-time. You started doing post-seasons back in 2011 when you were still playing. What made you want to do that while you're so, still playing? It actually started, which is going to sound funny, in 2000. So there was an old show on Fox uh, called Best Damn Sports Show. Yeah. Which was like Tom Arnold, right? Yeah. And uh, Chris Rose and John yeah. Sally. So I, every time I go to LA, they'd call me and say, Hey, will you come on best damn sports show? And I was like, sure. It's fun. It's an hour, you know, go down there and hang out with those guys. And so we do that when I was still playing. And then in 2004, they call me and say, Hey, will you do our postseason for us? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, come here for three weeks and run us from the LCSs all the way to the world series. I'm like, sure. So I did, I was there for three weeks. Right. Well, then all the people that worked on that show are now like all the heads of Fox. Uh... I mean, they are, they have all like up the ladder. And so through time, you know, I became obviously, you know, I don't want to say friends with them, but like we knew each other. And then 2006, they called me and said, Hey, will you help us for a round of the postseason?" So I did it in 2006. We had won the year before and, and I do a round with them. And then in 2011, they called me and said, Hey, we want you to, to do pre and post and, and run through it. And I was like, yeah, this sounds awesome. Like this would be a great opportunity. Plus you get to go to the world series. You get to go to the, you know, the ALCS and do all this fun stuff. And, and it was Chris Rose who I had known for, you know, forever and Eric Karos and, and show up this, this you'll love this your first day. Never done this before live. We're in Texas, two hour rain delay. Okay. They don't, oh, they, God. Two hour rain delay. So it's Chris Rose. I, and they take Eric Karos, who's our third guy. And they put him in the dugout in case a player walks out so we can get an interview during the rain delay. Oh, so no. Chris Rose and I filled for two hours. Just the first day I've ever done this job. And I'm like, man, this is this is how it goes every time. They're laughing, <laughs> joking. Like this isn't always like this, but it, you know, it was just, it was fun, and I liked it. And and you know, people, you know, people when that light comes on, people can either talk or they can't talk. And it was just like I was just acting normal, and they right. they liked it, and I did it. Uh, but then they can, and once I retired, they came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to do this full time?" And I was like, "Sure." And I listen. The first game I ever did was Yankees or Yankees Rays in Tampa. 
with Kenny Albert, and it was awful. Because, dude, there's no training. And right. I'm sitting there, and they're like, talk. And you're like, about what? Right? Like, <laughs> what do I talk about? I mean, not that I was like, not that I was nervous, but three hours is a long time to fill. Right. Even with the game in front of you. And because it's not like you do a game. It's not like you practice. It's not like there's a school to go to. Right. It's literally like the light comes on. All right, talk. Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a learning, it's still a learning process. Your new show is so fun. So, such a, such a different kind of show than we've, uh, than really we've seen in baseball before with Todd Frazier, Adam Jones, Lorenzo Kane, Brock Holt, Jason Kipnis, Eric Kratz, Scott Braun, Bow Territory. Are you having fun doing it? I am. The problem is, man, it's a lot of work. I didn't realize these podcast things are so much work. Yeah. You, you know, you see, I'm not big time like you, Brian. I can't show up and someone has these notes written down for me and I just ask the questions, right? <laughs> like, I have to actually have to do research. And we, I mean, we have guests on every day. This is, I do it Monday to Thursday. And listen, Foul Territory is, is awesome. And, and, I, and the thing, we just talked about, like, me working for Fox. But this has helped me so much in my broadcast because I'm talking to guys every single day about right. baseball. So I know so much more. Like, I always watched baseball. But I didn't dig into like what was happening, not only in the game I'm covering that week, but around the league. Well, every day now, I have to know everything that's happening. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Are you watching games? Are you watching highlights? What are you, what are you doing to prepare? Yeah. I mean, I have games on right now I'm watching, the afternoon games on, on the TV in the room I'm in. Uh, I watch the games, and then after, you kind of just, you know, luckily with, it, with social media, you can go on Twitter and, and Instagram and kind of see like the cool moments or the not so cool where people screw up. And I kind of know, like, okay, we're going to hit on this, or, but it, it, I have to watch games, and and I love baseball, so for me, it's not it's not really work, but it is work. My wife's like, let's watch a show. I'm like, sorry, honey, got to work, got to watch a game tonight. Right. But it, it's just such a, a cool thing, and I work with just such great people behind the scenes that, that do things and get it all together, and are so open to talking about whatever. And the and it's unscripted. It, 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 I mean, yes, there's like a rundown that, that lists what you're supposed to talk about, but you know, you can talk about it. We can talk about anything and it, whatever we feel like talking about that day, we can go way off script and talk about this. We, today we had Ken Rosenthal on and, and, and Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton hit his 400th homer. I'm like, is Giancarlo Stanton a, a hall of famer with Ken Rosenthal? Who's the best insider in the business. And he's, uh, I don't know. You know, if he gets to 500, is 500 home runs is, he, is you know, uh, it's not, but if you, th- you know, it's not as easy of a question as you think you're like, Oh, 500 is automatic. But then you look at some other stuff. You're like, is it is he though? So I don't know. It's just fun to talk about this with other players. And then we get the players on and we get players on because we played, we're able to get them to open up and give us more than the, the normal interview. Right. And it's just been so fun getting to know these people and letting fans see these people as human beings. It's perfect. I love it. It's, uh, it, it's so great. And, and going live as you do five days a week has got to help you also you know, with your broadcasting. Of course. I mean, it's just practice. Yeah. It's like with you and acting, right? The more roles you get, the more chance you get to be That's a character, right. the better you become it. That's right. By the way, are your Dodgers going to win the world series this year? Well, that was my last question for you. What do you think? Well, because you said you're a Braves fan, but every time I see you now, you have a Dodgers hat on your Clayton Kershaw's ping pong tournament. You know, you're, you're over there with magic Johnson hugging, you know, I mean, are you a Braves or are you a Dodgers? Fan? Just like just like you, I changed. Just like you, I changed. <laughs> You've outed me now on the program. 
I was a huge Braves fan growing up and still was a Braves fan through my entire time in Minnesota and other places as I was doing theater around the country. I moved to Los Angeles and I realized very quickly that I'm never leaving Southern California. I became a season ticket holder my first year in LA and remained that for many, many years. And uh, so I just changed. I changed. I, I love baseball and I wanted to be able to go and watch baseball. And so for me, that, that made me have to go all in. So no, I'm all in. I really love the team this year. I love the team chemistry that they have, but I'm more curious what you think. Do we have enough pitching to keep it going? Listen, those two teams are probably the best two teams in baseball. I mean, that series they played last weekend was sick. It was such a good game. Every game was like great game. Right. The stars came out to play Mookie, Acuna, yeah. Freddie, like the stars were out, right. To play in those games. And I, listen, I hope they, that's the NLCS. I mean, I listen, Braves, Dodgers, you could not beat that NLCS. I mean, the travel sucks, but other than that, I mean, the two teams, the two best teams playing each other, I, I, I think the Braves are better team one through 26, but I think the, it's all, man, with the Dodgers, it's always like they figure it out, right. It's like they figure out a way. Mookie's going to get a hit or Freddie's going to get or Muncie's going to, or J, they got JD Martinez coming back. It's like, gosh, you never want to get rid of the, that. And listen, anytime Kershaw's on the mound, man, you, you've got to root hard for that guy, no matter who he's pitching against. So the I think, the, I think Arias, the Arias thing is really that, that that's a sting. Yeah. Uh, but if they get Bueller back, I mean, listen, Kershaw, Bueller, whoever else they can run up. It's like the Dodgers always have pitching and young guys, old guys, whatever it is, Lance Lynn, my boy out there, you know, looking like a cloud in that all white uniform. He looks uh, great. <laughs> he looks, looks like a, great. He looks like a big fat cloud out there pitching. He Those looks beard. great. Bueller, is he going to be back? He's supposed to be back. I don't know what his role is going to be, but he's supposed to be back. Yeah. He's, yeah. Listen, if you can have that guy as a weapon for a couple innings every other game, that's a monster to have in that bullpen. Uh, who do you like out of the American League? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Houston always until someone beats them. I love Baltimore as a team. I, I absolutely love Baltimore. Uh, this, the youth, uh, if they had Bautista, if they hadn't lost him, I would say I think they, they can walk through the American League because they're back in their bullpen. Him Losing him hurts because their starters aren't great, uh, but their youth, the way they play, the energy they play with, I love watching them. And my, my big prediction is I think the Twins are actually going to win a playoff game for the first time since 2004. Are they going to win a playoff series? I said a playoff game depends on who they play in the series, but I mean, listen, if they got to play Houston or if they got to play Seattle, I mean, nobody wants to play those two teams in a, especially in the wild card three game series. That's a tough draw. What do you think of my buddy, Bruce Bochy's Texas Rangers? I, listen, I love Bruce Bochy. He's one of my all time favorite guys I've ever met. And, but gosh, it's like they're out of gas and they're just no energy. There's no, and listen, it's not because they're not trying, and I don't want people to think, oh, they're not trying. But it's just like they've they've hit a wall, and they, there's how do you get it back? And Boach has tried everything. Just what do you do? I, I don't know. Is 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 sometimes it just isn't meant to be, and they're ahead of where they thought they were supposed to be too. Don't forget, like they weren't supposed to be in this situation. And, right. and as they free fall, it's just so hard to watch because I love Mike Maddox, our pitching coach, Bruce Bochy. A lot of their guys were there when I played there, and and, and just feel for them. Yeah. It will be great. Uh, last question. Do you agree that there's no adjustment to the pitching clock for the playoffs? 
Oh, God. I, I, I love it as a broadcaster because the games are so much faster. I absolutely worry. I don't want to say I don't like it. I worry that the big moments are, are going to get ruined. Me too. Because th- there's no drama buildup because you don't have time. I, I look back one year ago, the, the Bryce Harper home run, right? In the playoffs, 45 seconds between pitches. He stepped out. He fixed his batting gloves. He got to breathe. The pitcher got – and it kind of gave the crowd a chance to uh, – from like a low roar to like deafening because it's like the drama's building as 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 he's waiting to get in the box. I, I, I worry we're going to miss some of that. Um, but listen, anything that can get the games under three hours and, – and, you know, you're on the West Coast, right? So it's a little different. The World Series starts at 5 out there, gets done about 8, right? Well, the East Coast, they were getting done at midnight, 1 a.m. That's too late. Kids can't stay up and watch that. So uh, I'm all for it getting done. At, you know, they start at eight. They're maybe done by 1045. Cool. I think parents can talk themselves into letting kids stay up that late. You know, you get into midnight, 1 a.m. It's a little tougher pull. Yeah. In my opinion, this is solely my opinion. Fox Sports is great. They do football really well. To me, they do nothing better than how they have done postseason baseball the last however many years and you just i mean it's like their directors are great but i i being someone who sees what they're doing it's like i mean the moments you're talking about go to bryce harper go to a fan go to a fan you know covering her eyes go to a fan with his hat on backwards go to a you know and them and all of those shots, that's all of those shots are building drama while it's happening. And there's no time for that now. No. Those shots aren't can't happen. No, it's gotta be quick. Yeah. It'll be quick. It'll be quick. You know what what I learned now doing games, right? Because I do every games every week, is the innings are short. Right. So story's gotta be short or whatever you're analyzing oh, right. has to be short. And two there's not a lot of time for replays. So there's, unless something like, you know, when you're doing a game, you have a headset on and there's people in your ear saying like what we're going to, what we're, what they're going to show possibly, or, you know, do we want to replay and you can talk back to the producer and the director, or you could say, Hey, can you give me a shot of this? Or can you give me this or whatever? But now they're like replay if we have time. And you're like, well, what, you know, Oh crap, it's already two outs and it's been two and a half minutes and the innings over. So there's no time for like, say a guy hits a, ball and it's it's hit and the guy dives and catches it when it was the second out boom 20 seconds later it's the next pitch they can't right. cut it and get back and that's the third out and you're like all right we'll have to show it next half and then the moment passes and you're like well we can't show it anymore so that's that is the biggest difference for me watching games and broadcasting games now is how quick it goes and how much less time you have yeah i can't wait it's always the best time of the year football starts the Georgia Bulldogs beat up on Florida. <laughs> There's baseball. It's going to be amazing. The NFL's getting going. Always a pleasure. Foul territory, continued success with that. And I can't wait to uh, to text you while you're broadcasting important Dodgers games coming down the stretch. Well, Fox has AL this year, so you're safe. You don't have to bother me. You don't have to bother me like Seattle, Minnesota, you know, Baltimore, Tampa, something like that. Right. Feel free to text me because it's always fun when I hear from you. And uh, I'm waiting for the text. Like, can you say like some random word on the air? <laughs> I don't ever do that. <laughs> I'm saying I know people do though. Can you say like <laughs> supercalifragilistic? And you're like, I get that. And easy. 
<laughs> Thanks, AJ. Thanks, Brian. Hopefully I'll see you in Jacksonville. I'll see you soon. AJ, thanks so much for coming on. I know that you're a busy man. I appreciate it very much. And uh, I'm sorry, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and tell everyone that, that you're actually a, a nice guy. I hope that doesn't ruin your reputation. Uh, check AJ out, listeners, on Foul Territory on YouTube or on your on your favorite podcast app. And as long as you're there, well, there's... Uh, there's another podcast. It's called Off the Beat. Leave it a rating. Give it a review. Uh, I, for one, would love to hear from you. So until next time, have a great week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahib. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.